Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being here, day two. Um, so I'm going to welcome you for like the thousandth time, but that's okay. Um, thank you so much for being here at uh, the sport, the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference 2023. My name is Diego Carrasquillo. I'm a first-year MBA student here at Sloan, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to this amazing panel today. So Pickleball, the future of the fastest-growing sport in the world. Um, this panelists uh, are incredible today. So we have Brian Levine, interim CEO of MLP, Jesse Irvine, pro player of PPA Tour and MLP's Florida Smash, and Connor Pardo, CEO and commissioner of PPA Tours. Um, our panel will be moderated by Dave Fleming, so broadcaster, senior pro player, marketer, and content creator. The panel will run for about 45 minutes and we'll leave uh, 10 minutes from questions from you guys. So if you please can submit your questions using the hashtag Future of Pickleball on Twitter, we'll make sure to feed those to Dave and Dave will like uh, pick those questions. So kick it off, Dave. Well, thank you, Diego. Give it up for Diego, man. Come on. Go, Diego. <laughs> and all these students spreading the knowledge. So who here has played pickleball? Oh, nice. Okay. Pretty good. <laughs> All right. Well, if you haven't, we set up a court for you downstairs, so make sure you get involved in that. And then other shameless plug, we have three of the best players in the world playing at 1030, so come check that out. So here's the deal. Pickleball is on fire. Three-year growth rate of participation is 156%. Just one-year growth rate is 88%. And this week in the Boston Globe, they had an article that talked about the pickleball derangement syndrome that people have. I am, I, I have, do you guys have, I have the syndrome. Wow. Basically, <laughs> people are playing till midnight, waking up at five in the morning and driving to play at 6 a.m. So it's. I, uh, I have derangement syndrome. Yeah. I have this, this is from playing too much pickleball. And I was playing every day for four hours a day. And uh, so I can't do this for, for, I haven't been able to, play with my right hand for three weeks, so I've started playing lefty. So I'm playing lefty now every day, and I'm getting my pickleball fix. So Yeah, so I Brian is clearly <laughs> deranged on many levels there. And uh, so, Jesse, we'll start with you. Why do so many people love this game? I mean, I think it's for a few reasons. One, it's, it's a very social sport. Um, you know, it's a little bit closer. It's a smaller court, so everybody's a little closer together. Um, you know, it's very easy to learn. I think that's the biggest thing compared to other sports. Um, the paddle's smaller, lighter. The ball's lighter. The court's smaller. So it's just very easy to kind of step on the court if you've never played and get a rally going, as compared to sports like tennis, where it is really hard to actually do that from the very get-go. Um, it's not fun until you get good, and it takes a while to get there. But with pickleball, it happens a lot faster. And uh, I think, you know, and then the other thing, it's, it's a lot easier on the body. You know, for me personally, I came from tennis. Um, I got an injury and then that kind of led me to play pickleball because again, it's just so much easier on the body. So I think all those aspects kind of, you bring them together and then all of a sudden people are now kind of playing the sport. I think the pandemic helped a lot. Um, because it was probably one of the few things people could do outside during the pandemic, and that, I think that kind of brought a lot of awareness to the sport. But um, yeah, I think uh, all those elements kind of, you put them together, and then you have this sport called pickleball, and now everybody's playing it, and uh, it's something that everyone can do, and all ages. All ages, all levels, all gender, everybody can play, and everybody's having a good time. So I think that kind of just makes it you know, a prime sport for everyone. 
What about from your perspective, Connor? Yeah, I mean, when I look at pickleball, I kind of look at it a few different ways. Obviously, it's something that anybody can do, like Jesse said. Um, you know, I grew up playing a lot of sports growing up, and the first time I stumbled across pickleball, um, you know, before actually with my wife, you know, we played tennis, and she just had a terrible time. She didn't like it. She's an athlete, you know. Um, started all four years of varsity volleyball, but the learning curve for tennis was so tough. We went out and played pickleball one time, and she thought she was pretty damn good, just like Jesse said, right? Little, you know, then all of a sudden we had a court in our backyard, and I just think the fact that the barrier for entry is so low, and um, I know it's cliche, but it's a sport that, um, you know, it's really easy to get good at, and it's hard to master, and I think that's what gets people coming back for more. You play one time, you think, oh, I might be good. I think I could get a little bit better. I want to learn a little bit about it. Who plays this game? Oh, there's a professional league, there's a professional tour. Oh, I'm flipping through the channels, it's on TV, and it's kind of been this thing that maybe you didn't hear about it two years ago, but you know, it's really hard to find someone that isn't aware of what's happening right now. Brian, anything else? Yeah, no, I agree with everything Connor and Jesse have to say. I mean, it's, it's obviously a lot of fun, and that's why people get addicted to it. Um, I also think, you know, like you said, it's a high floor sport. So you actually see a lot of cross-age uh, and cross-gender competition because people are good. You know, you could see you know, 70-year-old grandparents playing a competitive match with their 10-year-old grandkids, and they're trash-talking, right? There's not a lot of activities where people are having fun and competing at the same time. I also think that it's an incredibly, like, culturally, it's a very positive sport. And I do believe, and this, you know, might sound cliche, but it really is about inclusion. Um, you know, I started playing right after COVID started as well down in South Florida, and I got addicted to it, and I would just go down every day to the community park, and you put down your paddle, and next up, you know, you just play, and no one asks questions. You know, this isn't something that ever would happen in tennis. Um, and you just play with people, and you're playing with random people. And when I started playing, you know, there were, you know, senior citizens beating me up pretty badly. But you'd have fun. And, you know, I also remember one of the first times I played, I remember being paired against a doubles team. There was, this is, this is in the heart of the 2020 election cycle. And there was a man wearing a Vote for Biden shirt, and his partner was wearing a MAGA hat. And they were high-fiving, they were celebrating, obviously no talks of politics. And I think that's honestly part of the pickleball culture that people feel, and it's something that society really needs right now, too. Bring the nation together. Yep. Look yeah. at us. Yeah. All right. So, Connor, this sport started in 1965, Bainbridge uh, Island, that's uh, just outside of Seattle up there. So, kind of a niche sport. Didn't, you know, when I first started, they said, hey, come play pickleball. I had no idea. This was five, six years ago. Why on earth did you think you could make a pro league of this sport that really wasn't going anywhere too fast just a few years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, when you look at the PPA Tour, um, for us, you know, my story is much like a lot of people. Um, I got in. I got addicted. I loved the game. Um, my family and I, we have a real estate development business, and I was, you know, went to college. That's what I was doing. That's what I wanted to do. And um, stumbled across the game, and I have a really good dad. Um, growing up, he coached me in all my AAU basketball, my football, my tennis, whatever it was, he was there the entire time. But one thing that we've never had in our relationship is actually playing a sport together. You know, maybe he'd rebound for me, but we never got to actually do something. And we fell in love with the sport of pickleball, and we started playing together, and he was better than me, right? And, you know, he's older, but he's better. And so we started playing. And I remember we went out and we went to a tournament in Atlanta. 
And um, we saw this tournament, and we thought 500 players, well, that's a ton of people, we should go out there. And we went out there, and they had something called a pro division. And you know, I started asking questions, seeing what was going on, and it was a really small prize purse, maybe paying out $5,000 or something like that in total. And um, I remember turning to my dad when we were there and saying, I'm having more fun here watching pickleball than um, I did at the US Open. Like, this is fun, it's fast paced, they have a couple athletes. I think this is something that we could do. Let's put three, four, five events together and let's bring in the biggest prize person pickleball and let's see where it goes. And ever since then, I've been, you know, <laughs> fighting fight sleep, trying to stay up and trying to push as hard as I can every single day because the sport, it just, it just kind of happens. And, it, you know, you feel really grateful to be born in a time like this um, just because a lot of things don't come along like this where there's the opportunity to create a pro league and see something start from nothing and grow into something. And you feel like every day you just want to take as much as you can because, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting. So Connor represents the PPA Tour, which is more like a traditional tennis tournament, individuals playing as themselves or in a doubles format. Brian, you are the interim CEO of Major League Pickleball, so can you explain the similarities and differences between the two and why that is a perfect complement to the tour that Connor runs? Sure, so, so as Dave said, you know, Connor and Dave represent the PPA. That's individual tours, very much like tennis. You would see Wimbledon, US Open, individual tournaments. Um, on Major League Pickleball, that's team-based. Jesse plays for both. Um, for for our, our format, we actually have 24 teams. We've actually expanded from 12 in the past year, and each team is four players. I think there are two things that make MLP different from most other professional sports leagues. I think the first thing um, has to do with gender equity. We actually, each team has two men and two women, and they play uh, mixed doubles events, and they play men's and women's doubles events. Um, if there is a need of a tiebreaker in a match, they actually play a singles match, where it's often gender on gender, but it could also be cross-gender too, and it's incredibly exciting. Uh, we had our draft in Las Vegas a couple of months ago, um, and our first overall draft pick was actually a 16-year-old young woman, um, who was actually 15 at the time. Uh, and it wasn't gimmicky at all. It actually is because she's the best female player in the world. Um, and from an analytics perspective, she's that much better than the second best female, more than the best male is better than the, than the next best male. And I believe there were, I think, eight of the 12 um, first round picks, including Jesse, uh, were females. Um, so that's one thing that's really pretty unique um, from a professional sports perspective. The other one is that our format uh, is actually a promotion relegation format. We're actually the first American uh, professional sport um, that actually has promotion relegation. And so we actually have two different tiers. So when we had the draft, the first 12 teams draft the top 48 players, and the next 12 teams play the next 48 players. And there's a promotion relegation format that's going to play out over the next few years. And why that's unique is you know, one of the issues you know, you'll find with other major professional sports, in America at least, because promotion relegation is quite pop, pop, uh, popular in European football, uh, is that you know, we have an incentive problem in most professional sports, whereas everyone is trying to play for a championship. And once a team doesn't have a champion, can't, they're not up for the, to win the championship, there's almost an incentive to fail, right? Because you now want to be at the bottom of the order so that you can now, you're now going to be rewarded by having top draft picks. 
and on top of that, you're in a salary cap format. So the, that top amateur player in the draft next year that you may win the first pick for is not only a great talent who's gonna contribute the first year, but from a salary cap perspective, they have tremendous relative value. So one of the problems you have in sports, and we're seeing this right now, particularly as you get to the NBA and the NHL trade deadlines, is that teams are becoming, the leagues are becoming a barbell-like. The teams that are playing for the championship are going all in, and the teams that don't realize they can't win a championship are selling their current players for future draft picks. Um, the Boston Bruins just yesterday, we're here in Boston, uh, arguably the best team in hockey history this year, um, just traded for a 30-goal scorer yesterday and gave away another first-round draft pick because they want to win now. And other teams that, you know, they're racing for the bottom. And from a fan perspective, that isn't really a great thing. And I'm sure, you know, with this analytics conference, there's plenty of these types of conversations. Promotion relegation is about meritocracy, right? Every game matters, and that's really one of our themes. So the excitement from a fan perspective, it doesn't matter if, if your pickleball team <clears throat> isn't going to win the championship necessarily, but half the teams are gonna be battling throughout the season to either stay up in the top level or to get promoted, right? So that adds a lot of drama to the suspense and it's something that we're particularly excited for to see play out. So Jesse, you play on both the individual tour and then the team competition and they're all mixed together. So you will play an individual event and then a week later play the team. Can you go inside your brain and talk about the differences of how you have to prepare for each of those events because they are very different as Brian described. Yes, they are very different. Um, you know, when you play on the PPA tour and it's a tournament format, you have a partner. Um, you can practice kind of before, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a single elimination kind of format, um, just like kind of like a tennis tournament. So that mindset is a little bit different. I would say it's not as high energy you know, you're a little bit more focused. Um, you're playing against other teams that are partnered or they've been partnered in the past. So you kind of have information going in. Um, so it's definitely, if me coming from tennis, I'm used to that format. So it's very easy for me to kind of get into that mindset to prepare and compete in that tournament format. Um, but for MLP, uh, I think for a lot of us, you know, that team dynamic, it's so new and so refreshing. Um, and it does bring a lot of high energy, you know, it kind of brings a lot of, you know, chaos. it's almost like it's a very chaotic kind of dynamic atmosphere, but we all enjoy it because it is different, it is refreshing, and uh, you have this team and you have guys and girls on your team and, you know, there's, you're playing against other teams and it's so much fun just because it is different being in that team dynamic and I think a lot of us because we don't get it from tournaments, we enjoy every now and then being able to play MLP and having that high energy. And you're not doing it just for yourself or your partner, but you're doing it for you know the whole team. And um, yeah, no, I think that they're both they're both really exciting. I think it's a good blend of having yeah. both. I don't think having one or the other would be ideal. I think having both is the perfect blend for a player like myself. And, and I think it's also worth noting, it may sound like we're competing leagues. We're actually yeah. partners between the PPA and the MLP. In fact, Connor is an owner of the Utah Black Diamonds and mm -hmm. Dave is a general manager. So yeah, no, I think it's great of, having both. Yeah, I exactly. think having one or the other, just like having only MLP, I think wouldn't be, you know, after a while you're like, okay, this isn't, 
it's not fun anymore. Like being able to mix that into the tournament scene, I think it's like, oh, we, ha we look forward to this. This is great. Like we can play our tournaments, we can have that dynamic, but then we can, oh, now we're going to play this team and, you know, we're cheering on our, like our other, like people that we would usually play against in a tournament. We've now become closer, right. you know, throughout the season because it's like, well, they're also now on our team for Major League Pickleball. So it's like now, you know, we have that um, as part of the whole element and it's just so much more fun being able to combine both together. Yeah, and I think they complement each other really well. Just the fact that you have one that's more traditional, you think more, you know, PGA Tour, ATP Tour, WTA Tour, where it's about individual accolades and, um, you know, who's the, who's the best player in the world. And, you know, that can be a grind, that can be grueling. And so you've heard Jesse say a few times, refreshing. And, you know, one of MLP's slogans is there's, you know, there's nothing else like it. And it's something that everybody look, looks forward to. I think this time we're doing it six times a year. And it's something that is just different. It's fun, it's exciting, it's electric. And I think the two, when you know, working together, we thought, man, we need to find a way to make, us, make this work where we can harmonize and work together because they complement each other so well. Um, one without the other isn't as good as both together. Right. Yeah, and I think last year, if you followed the pickleball world, there was uh, a lot of uh, tension in that area and trying to figure out where the players would go. Now there's harmony on the stage here for all of you. Um, let's talk about the business side here for a minute, uh, Brian. The Major League Pickleball got a lot of tension last year from the celebrity and sports owners coming in. I mean, you had LeBron James as an owner, Tom Brady as an owner, Naomi Osaka as an owner, Mark Cuban is in there. What enabled that incredible A-list to become a part of this growing sport, and how do you see that evolving going forward? Yeah, I mean, it's, first of all, it's a great work by our team to, yeah. to get some of them involved, and partly just because of the pickleball craze, people want to be associated with it, and it just becomes one of those things that just goes and goes. From a league perspective, from a business perspective, it's actually fascinating for us because you know, as important as traditional media is for us to get our, our brand out there, and, and I'll take a step back and say, you know, our primary goal is to convert players into fans of the professional game. Like, that's our core for all of us, because there were 37 million Americans that played pickleball last year, and it's grown from virtually nothing. And most of those aren't that familiar with the professional game, right? And I think naturally you would assume that that's going to lag to some degree. So we have to get exposure. We have to, you know, people have to see the best players in the world playing, as, as you all will see uh, Jesse and others playing later today. And you know, traditional media has some limitations how you can get that out there. However, you know, with the influencer, with the influencer um, uh, aspect, it's much, it's much more significant. So just to give you an example, in, in our last event, we played our finals were on the Tennis Channel. We had about 600,000 viewers, which was very nice. Um, but the winning team was the LA Mad Drops, which is owned um, partially by uh, NFL legend Drew Brees. And Drew was there. Uh, right there on the court wearing his Madrops jerseys. And, you know, also a little bit different is, you know, before the matches, he was playing casually with Larry Fitzgerald, also an NFL legend and owner of the Arizona Drive. And, ha you know, they're having a blast like everyone else does with pickleball. And, you know, he's posting, you know, stories and, and whatnot to his social media accounts, and he's got millions of followers. Uh, they won the finals. They beat LeBron's team, the New York Hustlers. Um, and LeBron posted to his 147 million Instagram followers, right? So again, 600,000 tennis channel followers is nice, but 250 times that crowd getting exposure to our game, you know, not only, you know, not, not only is it a significant number, 
but it expands the reach, right? Because the 600,000 people that watch the Tennis Channel have a proclivity to watch pickleball and tennis, right? Whereas we're, we're introducing this game to just really the world, um, and it's happening incredibly quickly. No doubt about that, and the, the business side uh, goes both to the celebrity side and then Connor from a sponsorship side, that's where you can obviously increase the investment in the league, up the revenues, be able to put bigger prizes for great players like Jesse. You now have Miller Coors, Hertz, Chase, Carvana's the title sponsor of your tour. How has that been able to happen? Because this is a sport that really grew from endemic, now the non-endemics are really making this happen. How did you get there and where do you see this going down the road? Yeah, I think that's one of the things when you look at the growth of the sport, it's something that's been so essential and so important to us being able to grow. I mean, you have to have capital, you have to have resources to grow. You know, when we started this tour, we, started, we really started this with zero sponsorship. When I mean zero, zero. Family money, that's it. And we had an idea and a dream and a vision. And now today, you know, you couldn't even make it up. The amount of people that are reaching out, the amount of brands that want to get involved. Um, you know, I remember when Really, it was about two years ago where we started to bring in bigger sponsors, the bigger names, like you said, the J.P. Morgan Chase, the Baird, the Baird Wealth Management, um, you know, Carvana. And I think what has really changed is Pickleball has now gotten to a point, uh, going, has gotten to a place where, we're, one, we're driving media attention, and two, um, the growth of the sport is undeniable. And these brands see the opportunity to be first movers, to get in and really be able to own a sport, to be able to grow with its audience. The, the craziest thing about pickleball is how, um, how much of the sport is a lifestyle. Like these people that follow us, that watch, you know, they play and this is, they wanna support brands that support the league and support the tour. And so w whether it's something simple like a, you know, Takea water bottle, which is similar to like a hydro flask, they come in, they support the court. You go to your local courts, people are using a Takea water bottle. So I think, um, really, I think it's just the growth of the sport and the fact that we've gotten the sport to a point where there's so many eyeballs on it. You know, the growth's undeniable, and naturally, you know, the sponsorships come in. Yeah, I don't know anyone that's quit. I mean, that's how crazy this, this obsession is with this sport and watching people do exactly that, and then they become obsessed with everything that goes around it, and that includes the players like Jesse. So Jesse, how from a pro player has your life changed as you've seen this evolve, and what have you been able to reap as benefits from this just crazy rocket ship that is pickleball? Oh yeah, as I said previously, you know, I came from tennis. My uh, initial goal growing up as a child was to play professional tennis. Um, and that was kind of where my route was going. And then I got sidelined because of injury and I had to stop and I became a tennis coach. And then at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019 is when someone told me about the sport called pickleball. They're like, hey, you know, there's this sport. It may look a little funny, but I give it a try. They're starting to have more tournaments, more money's gonna get involved and I think you'll be really good at it. Um, so I gave it a shot and uh, yeah, and then from that point, it kind of, with each year that progressed, you started seeing more tournaments, more money, and then the PPA came along and kind of made it an official tour, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can actually make a career out of this. Like, you know, whereas before it was like, I was kind of just gonna be a tennis coach, and then all of a sudden, because again, pickleball is so much easier on the body, so I was able to be able to play competitively at a high level. And I think, 
you know, that's something when it comes to why is pickleball such a, an addicting sport. I think, again, it's easy to learn. I was able to kind of pick it up pretty quickly. Um, it was easier on my body, so my injuries didn't kind of limit me and they didn't hold me back compared to something like tennis where it's more physically demanding. And then I think, also, I think it's really good not only just for like physical health, but I think it's a sport that's really good for mental health. I don't think a lot of people, you know, talk about that, but I think deep down as human beings, we all want to compete and we all want to be competitive. And I think that's what pickleball taps into. As adults, we don't realize that we all desire that, not just to compete, but to be able to be competitive, where it's like, oh, whether I, you know, I'm in my 30s and I'm able to be a top player in the world. You know, there's players in their 40s that are able to be top players in the world. And it's like, here's this sport where, you know, it doesn't matter what your age is, whether you're winning or losing, you feel like you're competitive. And I think that aspect is really good for mental health. And that's something that I feel like as humans, we've all been missing, especially as we get older, right? We don't really feel like we play board games, we play cards, but outside of that, there really aren't any other sports where we're like, oh, as adults, we can play and we feel competitive. You know, if we played any other sport, if we play against someone who's younger than us, chances are we're not gonna win, we're gonna lose just because of the age difference. But with pickleball, it really does kind of, it's a neutralizing sport that allows everyone to play. And I think it really kind of promotes a mental health that we've all been missing, which I think brings on this addiction. So for me personally, like it just allowed me to be competitive again, which was something I wanted to do as a child. Um, and allowed me to be able to kind of travel and, you know, play professionally, which was, again, my goal growing up. It was kind of like all the sacrifices I made. Now I'm being able to kind of put into good use and, you know, play pickleball professionally. And, uh, yeah, it's, for me personally, it's a dream come true, I think, for a lot of the players right now, because a lot of us are kind of in our late, you know, late 20s, early 30s, early 40s, and it's like, hey, here's this sport where we can play professionally, be competitive, and it, it is very inclusive. And, you know, yes, we have younger players coming up, but uh, I like to, I like to, uh, I was uh, at the chess panel last night, and as they were talking, I was like, I feel like pickleball is like a life-size chess. Like, that's how it's like life-size chess, and you're like, we're all just chess pieces moving around because at the end of the day, with pickleball, you don't actually have to be physically a great athlete. Yes, that helps, but really with, with pickleball, what makes players really good is the skill set and then the strategy. And it's like if you have those things, you can go really, really far in pickleball. And I think it's like the same with chess. It's like it's not a physical thing. Like it's, it's a mental thing. And I think that's something that a lot of people appreciate and enjoy about the sport of pickleball. Yeah, and I think because it's in its infancy on this very stage yesterday, there was the poker panel as well, and they talked about what's been solved and what hasn't. And I think... Pickleball has not been solved. I mean, I, I have the great privilege of calling your matches, and, and the chess, not checkers part yes. of pickleball is what's so exciting right now because there are new shots being created literally on yeah. Yeah. practice courts right now somewhere. Um, so it's exciting to see that. So, Brian, we're at, a, we're at a data conference. Pickleball getting started, you know, we're not going to misrepresent ourselves here, but where do you see data within this great sport going? And how can those in this audience who do this for a living potentially get involved in our fast-growing sport? Gotcha. Yeah, so it's obviously we're a year or two in, so we're not too advanced in terms of analytics. 
Um, I would say one of the positives is that to measure player performance, you really can simplify it into just points scored, points against. It kind of funnels all into there, um, as opposed to something like baseball, where you could say, how good is a player? Well, you know, they, they, there's offense, there's defense, and even within offense, you know, there's power, there's contact, do they get on base? You could distill this down into just points scored, points against. And, and the sample set's actually, I'll, I'll talk numbers because people here like numbers, um, is pretty high. So in a typical match, um, a player has a, 100 or so rallies in a match, and if a player does well in a, in a tournament, they could play over half a dozen matches in a day. So they can get in 1,000 rallies in a day. So you've got a pretty good sample set to see how good they're doing, points scored, points against. Um, and uh, a part of MLP, there's a rating system called Duper, where you can actually, you can measure how, how strong, what, what your rating system is. It's a handicap similar to, to gin and golf. Um, and it's an algorithm that looks at the quality of your partner and the quality of your opponents. And it measures by point differential. So it's not just as simple as I won 11 nothing. It, it matters whether you won 11-9 or 11-4 and your rating will adjust accordingly. So that point differential is, is, is pretty significant. Um, in terms of you know, the micro stats, uh, you know, there are some things that people are looking at. You know, there are things like winners and unforced errors and maybe assists and saves. Um, and, and there's a lot of chatter about that. I do think, you know, like with many other sports, we're gonna need things like Hawkeye, like you have in baseball and in tennis, to really measure um, the exact contact point relative to the height and relative to the net, because truly it is gray to say what's a winner versus an unforced error, right? What looks like a winner right. could just be because your opponent floated a drop a little too high, and it's very high with the hard with the naked eye to see. Yeah. But once you can start looking at things and plus, you know, exit velocity and, and spin rate and things like that, I think we can get much more advanced. And, but that, that's coming, like everything else in pickleball, it's coming extremely quickly. And speaking of things that are coming extremely quickly, we know on a national and international level, tennis and table tennis are highly bet on. And Connor, where's gambling? Where's gaming? Is that coming? What's, uh, how do you see that being a part of this, of this pickleball scene? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important, and it's um, going to bring a lot more eyeballs to the sport as well. So where we're, at, where we're at right now with the PPA Tour is we will be launching um, live gambling that people will be able to wager on matches um, starting as soon as May of this year. And it's been really fun to be able to, you know, take the sport and get it to a place where we're going to actually be able to do that. Um, and all the major sports books, you know, they want to be involved. The FanDuel's, the BetMGM's, the... Um, DraftKings, all of those guys are partners of ours. And uh, our tour is partnered with uh, Genius Sports, if you guys are familiar. Um, you know, they power everything for the NFL. And uh, we think this is going to be a good revenue driver, and it's going to be great because it's going to bring more eyeballs to the sport, and it's also going to bring uh, more notoriety to our pro players. And so as soon as, as, soon as May of this year, we'll be up, we'll be going. Um, we're also on the, on the one-yard line of finishing a partnership with FanDuel TV, which will allow um, you know, a, a set of special events held on Wednesday nights that uh, people will be able to you know, see pickleball through a gambling, uh, kind of like a wagering lens and be able to really participate in the sport. So we're really excited about it. So I think that's the advantage a new sport has. You can try a bunch of stuff, see what works, and. Uh... Lots of things on the horizon. You guys touched on this earlier, but I think it's really important. And Jesse, I want to start with you. The, in, the inclusivity of this sport, um, 
the best player in the world that uh, Brian mentioned is Anna Lee Waters. She's 16 years old. Um, women get the same amount of money, time on, on any broadcast. What does that mean to you, and what is, what is you being a diplomat for the sport, a great ambassador and an, an incredible player, which you can all see here later this morning, does that give you even more love for the sport, or how does that make you feel when you know that what's important to you is being valued by the teams that are running these leagues? Oh, absolutely. I think um, that is kind of one of the cool things about pickleball. It's one of the few sports where I think the women's doubles is just as much watched as men's doubles. You know, it's just as exciting. And then you have mixed doubles where it's, you know, co-ed, and that's also really exciting. And I think, you know, there's so many sports where it's kind of male-dominated, and, you know, that's kind of what comes through. And it's like with pickleball, it, it really is very equal when it comes to the excitement, you know? And I think the reason that is is because most of the people that watch pickleball at this time also play pickleball. And I think... The great thing for us is when it comes to the, the women's doubles and the women's side of it, I think they can just relate to that so much more. It's easier to connect because they think, oh, we can do that too. You know, the, the women's rallies are more exciting. They're a little bit longer, you know. So I think it's just so much more engaging because the people that watch it also play it. So, you know, they're kind of watching in and they're, they're looking, almost taking in and trying to get advice as they're watching. So I think that makes pickleball really unique. Um, it's great because... Yeah, you just have so many people kind of coming up to you and like, oh, we love watching you play, and we're always, you know, we're big fans, and it, it's cool being a part of all of that and being a spokesperson for it, and uh, yeah, and again, like I said, I'm, I'm in my early 30s, so, you know, with most professional sports, especially with women, you know, it's a lot younger, you know, they start in their teens, and, you know, by the time they hit kind of early 20s, mid-20s, you know, the, the, it's almost time for them to retire, yeah. you know, and it, it's, it's sad because, you know, we all like to, again, like as I said before, we like to be competitive, so having a sport where it's like, no, you can continue playing male or female at any age, um, it, it's great, and uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting to see where the sport goes and how it continues to grow from that. Brian, anything to add? I know inclusivity is a big part of the sort of yeah. the tenets of Major League Pickleball. Yeah, no, I mentioned a lot of it before. The one other thing I would add is like, I, you know, I have this vision over the next few years where, you know, even amateur tournaments, you're going to see cross-gender and cross-age because, you know, you've got these ratings where, you know, they're agnostic to, to that. And, you know, I think about, you know, in my club, the pro at my club is a female who's much younger than me, and she's a borderline pro, and I would never play against her in a tournament because, you know, female in this different age bracket, it gets broken by age brackets similar to other sports. But the reality is, like, we're incredibly close. We've got great matches all the time, and we should be playing each other. And, you know, there are some amateur formats now where we're starting to do that, and, like, I just, it's a perfect example of inclusivity. There's no reason why a doubles match can't have, you know, three women and a men or vice versa. Um, and, you know, I think pickleball is going to go there, too, more, more quickly than not, just because that's kind of part of our culture. Yeah, it's fun to see mixed doubles just being yeah. a thing. I mean, just yeah. men and women on the court battling and Jesse blowing up some poor <laughs> dude that's in, in front of her is, uh, is great to see. Um, Connor, we've talked a lot about the pro game today. We've alluded to all the people. Most of you raised your hands, and we're thrilled that you're players in this room. How do you translate the tour and get the amateur player 
more involved in that? Because I think that's one of the things, and Brian alluded to it earlier, that really is going to launch this as a league to a much bigger place as all these players find out, I want Jesse Irvin to win because she is my favorite player. Yeah, I think that's something that we think about every single day. Um, when we talk about you know, what our marketing team's focused on and what we're focused on over at the PPA Tour, you know, we're part of a larger um, conglomerate of companies on our side where um, you know, myself um, and our team, we're um, a part of really the sport in any facet, whether it come to, whether it's somebody that's you know, beginning to play pickleball you know, we own a company that, that helps with that. Um, whether it's somebody that wants to buy equipment, we own a company that, you know, that, that does that, achieves that. Whether it's somebody that wants to play in tournaments, start getting competitive, wants to take lessons, wants to learn, and then we have the, the pro tour. And I think that's what's so interesting about what we have is we have, um, really I'd say that this year of pickleball has been um, the year of coming together. And so on our side, it's something we think about. You know, how do we take the, all these people that are buying equipment, playing in pickleball tournaments, and how do we take them and how do we turn them into avid fans? And how do we help you know, take these 65 pro players and help them mean something and help build their brands and help market and work with them so that they matter to the overall general public? And I think the way of doing that is by just continuing to integrate the two together. One of the things that we do on our tour, you know, for instance, next week we've got an event in Boca Raton, Florida, and we have 1,200 amateurs coming to participate at our event, and they have their own little mini events, mini, mini tournament that coincides with the Pro Tour. So we've got 40 courts of pickleball going on, whether you're an intermediate player, a beginning player, an advanced player, no matter what your age is, there's a place where you can come play against people, your same age group, um, and your same uh, skill level. And um, you can play your bracket and you can be competitive, but then you can stick around, you can get a beer, you can enjoy the party-like atmosphere, and you can watch people like Jesse, Jay, and Leia, and the best players in the world play. And I think the more that we can remember that, for us, a lot of people say, you need to separate the pro game and the amateur game. I think we need to find a way to bring them together as much as possible, because the more people that we can bring around the professional game, I think you see it and you go, oh my gosh, I I didn't realize people could be that good. I didn't realize this would be so fun to watch. Again, like when I saw it the first time, I had no idea. I just wanted to play. And I saw, I saw the way that the matches played and I saw the level of athlete we already had before there was even a pro tour. And I thought, wow, there's something special there. And the question, the, the question that we're trying to answer every single day is how do we take people that already care and all the new people that are gonna care? I mean, we have millions and millions of people that are engaged and involved in pickleball and I need them to know who Jesse Irvin is. I need them to know who Jay Devillier is. I need, to, need them to know who Leah Jansen is. And uh, that's something that we're achieving on. I mean, it's, it's crazy. All the pro players will attest, like, you know, they can't really go anywhere now without getting noticed. And that, that's a really good thing. And I tell our marketing team, that's great. They show up at an airport, they go to Disneyland, wherever they're at, people are now stopping them, asking them for pictures, asking them for autographs. And that's important, you know, we need these players to you know, be the face of our league. And I think we're in such a unique time right now. It's, you know, you look at some of the top players in the game and you couldn't dream of better people um, to represent the sport. And we feel really lucky that we have, you know, the opportunity to tell their story. And, and I would just add one quick thing, on, you know, on that topic of, you know, how do you convert casual players into fans? Like, why are they going to want to watch the pro game? And the thing I always hearken back to is, you know, you want to watch the best people in the world 
perform the sport. And I think very much about golf, right? Golf obviously has a pretty strong professional viewership audience, right? Almost all of those people are addicted golfers, right? And even though the gameplay is relatively slow, I mean, compared to something like pickleball, just to, I'll throw another stat at you, from the time a match starts to when it finishes, the ball is in play for over 40% of the time, right? And that's, for tennis, it's 16%, baseball, it's 4%, um, with their new rules, may go up to 4.5% this year. Um, but the gameplay is exciting. But why do people watch golf? They're addicted golfers. They want to watch the best in the world perfect the craft, right? They want to watch Rory McIlroy you know, hit a seven iron 225 yards, you know, with, 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 with a draw over, over the water, right? And say, wow, I wish I could do that. And that's what it's like when you watch people like Jesse. And then someone like me, I watch that and I say, you know, they hit shots where I'm like, I wish I could have done that or why did they do that? And, you know, that's gonna draw people in. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm obviously, we're all pretty convicted that this is gonna take off from a spectator perspective. But um, I think it's pretty clear based on, on prior data. So Jesse, your son in autographs, you're getting stopped. <laughs> it's exciting. I think what people want to understand here is what are you doing to, to work? You're a strategist in this game, one of the, the best. Are people watching film in this sport? Are people planning strategies? Are people going in with game plans? Or is this just, hey, I'm just figuring this out as it goes? Where are you on that spectrum? Um, I mean, for me personally, I, I like to plan everything before I even start. Um, I like kind of like that disciplined um, setup going forward. I think, you know, again, the beauty of pickleball is anything and everything can work. You know, it's, it's kind of a matter of what works for you. Um, but I do think for me personally, yes, I like having a strategy. I like having a game plan. You know, I'll watch the videos. I'll study the players. I'll try to figure out patterns and tendencies because that's a big thing at the highest level of pickleball. Um, everybody kind of has their tendencies. They, they like to do what they do. And it's a matter of kind of figuring out what that is and then understanding how to use that to your own advantage. Um, so, I, yes, I think the better players, uh, the players that are at the top of the game, they probably are definitely strategists and, you know, they have a game plan going forward and, you know, if that changes along the way, they'll make adjustments. Um, but yeah, I think, I think strategy is a big thing in pickleball. Um, you know, as Connor said earlier, it's, it's a sport that's very easy to learn, but it's hard to master. And it's, it's because it's always evolving, it's never boring, and you're, never, it's, you're always going to be challenged. You're never going to just be the best, and then that's it. You know, there's something new that's going to come along, and you're going to have to figure it out and problem solve. And I think that makes it exciting for all of us, because it's never going to get old. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how good you get. Someone's going to come along with some new shot, and you're just like, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> now I have to figure out how to play against that shot. So. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think strategy plays a big part. As I said, I feel like it is a life-size chessboard. Um, and, you know, the ball is just kind of chess pieces and we're just moving it around and that makes it, that makes it fresh every time you step out on the court. Yeah, I think the innovation in thought, there's changes in the paddles yeah. and everything that's yeah. going on there. Connor, what are you seeing from your perspective as it relates to innovative thinking within the game? Yeah, I mean, innovative thinking. Um, innovative thinking, I mean, I've seen it, the game completely change in just, a, you know, four short years. I remember when I came in, you know, everyone said, don't hit the ball hard. Um, you need to hit a, a third shot drop. You know, what's unique about our game is we have this kitchen, we have this non-volley zone where it, that, that's what makes the game more of this chess game that people are alluding to or it makes it more strategic. 
is there's this 14 foot area that you can't go in that's closest to the net. So it really limits you know, a real big athletic person going up and closing on the net and being able to put the ball away and using just raw athleticism. What it forces is people, they can keep the ball low and they can you know, stay in these rallies. And so at the pro game, I've seen the game completely change. I've seen it change from you know, people saying that you shouldn't be aggressive, that you shouldn't hit the ball hard, that you should take your time, you should be patient, patient to people now that want to speed up every time they can, they want to initiate. We're seeing that stats are showing the team that's more aggressive, more, that's, more aggressive that's initiating these speed ups um, is winning more points. And what that has brought into the game is the paddle technology has started to change. Um, people are seeing that um, you know, players are wanting to speed the ball up, so people are changing from you know, um, honeycomb generic paddles to now bringing in carbon fiber. And for us, it's different because we're now having to start to relegate th or regulate things and look at paddle technology. And these manufacturers, they're trying to test the limits. They're trying to innovate. They're trying to grow. Just like Jessie's trying to grow her pro game, all the manufacturers and the groups in pickleball are trying to figure out what can I do to make my paddle a little bit better? What can I do to give my player a little bit more of an advantage? And that's something that we have to look at our game. There's a few different things. One, we want the game to grow. We want it to be more exciting. We want it to be more fun. But we also want to make sure the game stays true to what it is and what's got us here and that we're you know, following the way that pickleball was intended to be played. And so there's this, you know, for us, and Brian, myself, our tours, we feel like stewards of the sport because you know, we want to make sure we're giving the sport the opportunity to grow and be exciting and innovate and let people change and let the sport grow. But at the same time, we've got ob obligation to the sport's roots. And I think um, you know, the sport, I mean, when I say it's completely changed, it's completely changed. What people can now do with the pickleball, what you know, the actual equipment and the technology that people are putting behind the sport, it's something that's been very exciting. And, um, you know, as we continue to collaborate, it's going to be really exciting to see where it goes. Yeah, if you watch, if you watch videos of even the U.S. Open finals five, ten years ago, I mean, it looks like an amateur game. Yeah. Oh, it's not very good. Like, it's not very good. Yeah, and in terms <laughs> it was, of like, it was just a different game. It yeah. was definitely, it was definitely different because well, I remember watching those. Right. Yes. And part of it is that, that you know I love the analog of the kitchen as the chess match because, and, and I can speak like from an analytics perspective. One of the reasons why I think points are so exciting in pickleball is because leverage changes so often in the course of a point because of that kitchen. So, you know, a lot of people measure the excitement of, say, a football game by seeing how much the win probabilities change throughout the course of a game, right? A team will have a 90% chance of winning. They're up by 14 points in the, in the, in the early in the fourth quarter. It comes back. And, you know, how much that curve, how much that changes, how exciting the game is. A point is like that, too. And I'd say if you compare it to tennis, when you get to a point in a tennis match where you've got very low leverage, meaning your opponent's at the net, you've got to hit a, at a shot that's kind of off the court, you kind of have to end the point right there, right? Because you're, 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 right. you're done. You're either going to have to hit a winner, winner, maybe hit a lob, but that's probably going to be the last shot that's hit in that point. Because of that kitchen, it gives you a bailout that has a higher probability. And it almost is immediate, meaning in that same situation in pickleball, rather than trying to hit a winner straight away, if you can get drop that ball right into the kitchen, and you can get yourself up, you're leaving the, the, the ball at your opponent's feet. There's very little they can do with that. So suddenly that leverage changes. Whereas just a second ago, you had a 10% chance of winning that point. You're actually, if you hit a great drop shot, yeah. you're over 50%. And if they pop a ball up, now they're backtracking. And so you'll have points where one team is the aggressor, they're slamming at the other team's just getting it back, just getting it back. They just get one back right into the kitchen and all of a sudden it's yeah. reversed, right? And you've got a lot of points where you've got that massive leverage change, and that's what makes points exciting. I know I'm getting excited thinking about it. No, they, they call it the great equalizer. I yeah. mean, 
you know, you get pulled off the corner of the court, just like Brian said, and the kitchen's a great equalizer. And it's, I believe it's the reason why our game is so great, because of that rule. It's the fact that anybody can play. It equalizes everything. It equalizes athletic ability. It equalizes power. It equalizes when you're in a bad spot on the sport. What it does is it equalizes it, and it makes it so exciting. So, yeah, spot on. So stay out of the kitchen, folks. You cannot volley in there, all right? Don't do it. Uh, before we get to the audience questions, I want to give just one minute, Brian, and then uh, Connor. Where's this going? Three to five years down the road, where's this going, and how can people here, people watching, get involved in something that obviously everyone is passionate about it. It is a lifestyle. It is something that has added great health benefits to all the players. How do people become a part of this sport? Well, I mean, obviously from, from, a, from a pro, I think everyone here is involved in pickleball in some way. <clears throat> from the pro perspective, I would just, you know, ask people to give it a shot, you know, watch the events. You know, PPA events, you know, just go to YouTube for PPA or Major League Pickleball. Our next events in three weeks in Daytona, um, as was noted before, there are six events a year. Um, you know, and, and I think just like playing, you know, as was said before, I don't know people that stop, right? Once yeah. people start, they keep going because it's, it's fairly addictive. Um, so I would just say just to get involved and, you know, continue to, you know, there's, there's a wide swath of, of ways to get involved pickleball, even from a commercial perspective. Um, you know, we get half a dozen requests a day from people trying to do different things. Um, and it's evolving, you know, dramatically in all, all the different verticals. So um, I would say just, you know, just keep, uh, keep exploring. Anything to add to that, Kyle? Yeah. You know, my advice, I think this is the last year I'm going to be able to say this. I've been saying it for the last three or four years is no matter where you are, you know, pickleball, now's the opportunity for people to get in and be a first mover. You can still be a first mover. It's probably the last year to have first mover advantage because it's growing so quickly. So, you know, whether you're looking to grow your personal career, there's so many opportunities. I mean, I've seen our company go from six people to 65, you know, over the last 24 months. So whether it's something for you individually, whether it's your company, whether it's, um, Whatever it, it may be in the facet of sports, now's the time to get in. Get in now, it's gonna be easier today than it's gonna be tomorrow. You've got the opportunity to get in and really ride the wave and jump in with all of us. And um, you know, the sky's the limit for the sport. Where do I see it going? I mean, it's hard to answer. Um, all I know is that people are gonna keep playing and as people keep playing, the sport's gonna keep growing and uh, we're all gonna enjoy the ride. So now's the time. Love it, all right, I have a special questions here. The first one I want to ask is you, Brian. What, uh, what can you learn from other leagues that maybe it's a mistake they made or something they did well or what have you learned that uh, you can incorporate into what Major League Pickleball is doing? Yeah, I mean, there were actually, there was an interesting panel yesterday um, talking about uh, I think it was for Athletes Unlimited and a couple of the other, um, I think, Premier Lacrosse. You know, we're also a centralized league, right? The difference is we do have owners, right? We've got 24 teams. Um, but, but the owners own a piece of equity in the centralized league. So as opposed to most you know, major uh, professional sports, the teams um, you know, are not predicated on their bottom line. It's based on the league. Now they've got abilities to make money through sponsorships locally and, 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 and merch and things like that. Um, but for the most part, we're centralized. So that gives us an ability to be a little more nimble. And I think you need to be nimble because things are changing on a weekly basis you know, in terms of what our environment is. Um, and there are you know, plenty of expansion opportunities, you know, whether it's you know, calls to do MLP International, we're doing, co we're doing college championships through Duper, we're doing different types of amateur tournaments. 
Um, you know, there's all different types of things that we can do. And I think the fact that we're centrally, you know, obviously we do still have, you know, 24 owners and some of the ownership groups are fairly large. Um, <laughs> but I think as opposed to most traditional sports leagues, it just allows us to be much more flexible in terms of strategy. Anything to add to that, Connor? Yeah, I think we're, we're always learning. Um, I'm a sports junkie, so it's been fun to really look out there and look at all sports. I think I, I for us, you know, being a tour model, I really look towards the PGA, the ATP, um, the PBA, things that are more tour-based. And you take a look at what are the things that have been really good for them? What have been what's been really good for their players? What's been really good for their events? What are the things that maybe aren't so good and they're kind of stuck in their ways and it's a lot harder to change than it is for us today? So I think it's all about, you know, trying to become a little bit bigger, a little bit better every week. And I think, yeah, obviously we do that. Jesse, we got a question about uh, some of the beginning players. What could you give as a tip to, what's the strategy to get maybe up just to the next level? They don't want to play you. <laughs> they certainly don't want to play you. But what would you tell people um, to make their, their pickleball game a little better individually? Yeah, I, I always like to tell people, I, and I even tell myself this when I'm playing, sometimes just keeping things simple. You know, I think the game is so complex and so complicated that we start overthinking. And I'm sure that's true for every, every sport. Um, and so a lot of times I'll just tell myself, just make one more ball. Let's, let's just keep it simple, just make one more ball. Um, I think for any beginner that's you know, trying to get better, I, I think drilling is, is, is very important. I think you know, kind of watching videos and figuring out what works and then drilling that and, you know, and kind of going in with the game plan. You know, sometimes, again, just keeping things simple, and I will do this for myself, it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve here, I'm gonna return here, I'm gonna hit this shot, I'm gonna do this, and just starting with the game plan and having that and then adjusting later, sometimes just makes your life so much easier. And then it just, just doing that can just kind of help make your game grow just because you go in with the game plan. And I find so many times when I talk to beginners, they kind of, they don't really, they're just going out there, see, see ball, hit ball. I see it and I hit it. And it's like, at a certain point, you know, you can do better than that. You, you can take it one step further. So I think, yeah, kind of, you know, drilling, having a game plan, and then just keeping it simple sometimes will really help make your game better. Keep it simple, everybody. Yeah. Make, make <laughs> balls. There you go. 30 seconds for each of you. Question was made, you know, what values do you want the, your league to stand for, Brian? I mean, as I said before, I mean, inclusion, positivity. Um, you know, I, I think it's, there, as I said before, like the culture that exists at the amateur game, I think it exists at the pro game too. I mean, I think I'm curious to hear like what Jesse's thoughts would be in terms of going from tennis. Like, I feel like the, the, the behavior of players is just, it's, um, it's so much more, um, it's friendly, it's it more is. social. It like, is, whereas, absolutely. Whereas in, I think in tennis, it could be much more alienating. And I think, you know, sometimes people come from tennis and they may be, you know, a little tight on line calls right. and things like that. And there's like a culture like, <laughs> yeah. we don't do that here. And well, I and I think, I think that comes from, because in pickleball, the events that are the most popular are your doubles and your mixed doubles. At a certain point, Pickleball almost forces you to be nicer. Right. Because whereas in tennis, the most, and it's true, where in tennis, the most popular event is singles, you know, it's just you. And it's a very selfish thing. And honestly, to be successful in tennis, you have to be selfish. Right. Whereas in pickleball, the most, you know, the most popular events are doubles and mix, so there's a partner involved. And what ends up happening is 
you overall are nicer to everyone that else that's on the tour right. because there's a good chance you're going to want to play with them down the road. Right, right. And I think the, <laughs> and I think the close quarters, too. Yes, that, yes. You, know, you could fit four pickleball courts in one tennis court. Right. And I think being close quarters, and one of the reasons why it's social from an amateur perspective, I think from a professional perspective, like, you know, yes. you're, you're talking to people like this right. you know, exactly. all, all game long. So yeah, it's a lot and I think, I think the other thing that helps is, you know, a lot of us, again, are not young. You know, we're a little bit more mature. We're adults. So, some, some more young <laughs> Some yeah. more than others, but we are adults at the end of the day. And, you know, for a lot of us, this is a ch second chance, you know, and we all kind of are very grateful for that. So I think we appreciate the moments of being able to be a professional player. Right. So we just behave a little bit better and we, we enjoy it. We're, we're all there having a good time because we realize, hey, this is this is just the second opportunity for me. I, I never would have had this without pickleball, so I'm just going to embrace and enjoy right. this moment right. instead of taking it so seriously. Like, yeah. when I step on the court, I'm competitive and I'm intense and I'm focused, but once I step off, I realize I'm just so happy yeah. to be here. And you feel that. I mean, it is the culture, and I don't want to sound like I'm overselling these events, but the truth is the positivity. Every, when, when you're around people that are all positive and happy to be there, yes. it's like everyone has that same thing. It's not like sitting at a, at a New York Jets game. Where, right. where, where I feel like half the fans wearing Jets fans are yelling at their players the whole time. Like this is, you know, there is a, there is a positivity that, that, that is at the pro level that's not much different from the amateur level and then what people experience playing at their local parks. Connor, last 30 seconds. Uh, what do you want your tour to stand for and what do you want these people to know? Yeah, um, you know, I think we, we hit on a lot of it today, but when I, when I think of pickleball, I want to stay true to what the game is. It's inclusive. Um, we have equality, and it's exciting. And I think if, as long as we can stay to those three things, I think we're going we're gonna to do okay as a sport. Awesome. Well, uh, last shameless plug, we're going to have <laughs> three of the best players in the world playing at 1030 on the second level. And if you've never seen it live, you need to come see it live because it is a different level of, of the sport. And... Uh, you know, for, from our perspective, just sort of wrap this up, you know, I hope you feel the passion oozing out of all of us for, for this sport. And uh, we want partners that want to become a part of growing it. And we want to build this community that it is, you know. I started with pickleball derangement syndrome, and I will end with that. That's, we all have it. We, yeah. we are obsessed with, with what we have, and it's a privilege for all of us to have a sport that a lot of people have turned it into one of the things they can't live without, and that's, uh, that's a true blessing yeah, for all of it's us. It's a sport for the people. It is. <laughs> it is indeed. So thank you so much for spending part of your time with us. I appreciate it. Good job,